you know, the growth sneaks up on you when you're in hyper growth like that. My biggest learning is, like I said, for founders is invest in it early. If you can do it under a hundred people, <laughs> do it. Um, because the more easy to establish the foundations, if you think about your HR technology stack, your applicant tracking system, your uh, HRIS, getting things built out, deal hopefully in the mix on the stack, um, thinking about your core principles and foundations across your compensation philosophy, uh, how do you drive a performance culture? Those things obviously much easier to establish with uh, less people. You wouldn't be amiss in wondering whether Alex Baziz or Xu Wang, co-founders of Deal, had a crystal ball when they launched Deal back in 2019, pre-pandemic. The San Francisco headquartered scale-up helps businesses hire anyone, anywhere in minutes. You automate onboarding, payroll and compliance across 150 plus countries globally and have 6,000 plus customers from SMBs to publicly traded companies. Now, in 2022, there are already 650 plus team members strong, globally distributed and have an eye-watering evaluation of $5.5 billion. In 2021 alone, they grew from 50 to 550 plus employees. They're a team that truly are creating the new world of work together. I was lucky enough to chat with Casey Bailey, head of People of Deal, formerly SVP of People and Places at Divi and head of Global HRBP for Uber. Casey shared some incredible learnings with us, what they'll be doubling down on throughout 2022 and what she believes the future of work really looks like. Casey is a true champion of the people team and advocates for investing in talent early on as a startup. If you listen to one thing today, I'd recommend you listen to this. Casey, really pleased to be speaking with you today. Um, first off, thanks for joining us on the Scaling So Far podcast. Great to have you with us. Um, for our listeners, um, to kick us off as well. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Of course. So Casey Bailey, I currently lead the people function for Deal, um, joined in December of last year. But prior to that, you know, a little bit of history about me. I spent about 11 years in my early career in HR and benefits consulting for a boutique firm oh. based in the US out of Dallas, Texas, and really had the wonderful opportunity to run the gamut of just everything possible that you would touch from a, a people realm across HR, payroll, uh, really running into every possible thing that, that you could think of and solving and trying to um, tackle, whether it was for healthcare, retail, uh, transportation and trucking, the wine industry, uh, high tech at the time. So also had the opportunity to work with many different types of teams, cultures, executive leadership, workforces. And I really credit that time to really establishing the foundations for me and what's gone on to lead me down the career path of moving into higher level leadership roles in the people realm. After spending about 11 years in consulting, um, I did want the chance to go in-house and learn what it was like to focus solely on, on one workforce, one company, one internal client base, and see what it would be like to really try to build that culture. And so I went to a company called Retail Me Not, who was in the no brick and mortar stores at that time uh, in the retail industry for outdoor goods, but a tech company at heart. So heavily engineering and product R&D based, um, building out their HR business partner function, and then had the opportunity from there uh, to go um, to Uber 
and uh, you know Uber. I was there. A lot of interesting uh, commentary about people who have spent time at Uber for sure. And I was there during 2017 in the midst of all of the PR debacles and uh, internal and external communications uh, of that year, <laughs> which were uh, every a daily occurrence at that time. But I also credit that with being probably the learning experience of my career because sitting in an HR leadership role at times covering 90% uh, of our executive team across our global ride sharing business, our global Uber Eats business, uh, sometimes Uber Freight, sometimes global customer support, you know, in a 20,000 person fully global organization uh, with many different business units, right? From flying cars all the way down to the core ride sharing platform, trying to steer the boat on culture, core people programs in a different direction or any type of change management was just such a massive feat. And oftentimes because working at Uber speed, um, you know, wanting to try to solve these problems that would take other companies of that size, six, eight months to solve, we were asked to solve them in three to six weeks. Um, so certainly, you know, uh, like I said, a learning experience of, of a lifetime. And then from there, I wanted to go early days into an organization, wasn't necessarily looking to make a move, but had the opportunity to meet a CEO of a fintech company based in the US in Utah called Divi. And at that time, really trying to rethink what is expense management or spend management in the fintech space and not making traditional SaaS type of revenue, uh, making money like a credit card. Um, actually. That's so interesting. really interesting from a platform perspective of what they were in product to market launch. And I happened to join when they were doing about 500,000 in ARR, uh, 30 employees, right? Super early days in between series A and B, which were raised in eight weeks of each other in the summer of 2018, met the CEO. And he said, what every HR person longs to hear from a CEO founder and that I don't know how we can build the business if we don't build our people foundation right alongside it, right? And nice. I think that's, you know, one of the, the most impactful things I think that founders and CEOs can actually do is thinking about people, leadership and foundations early. So had the opportunity to go there and like he said, build alongside the business. So when we were acquired by build.com last summer, um, we had increased headcount from that 30 to 550, we had increased ARR from 500,000 in ARR to 118 million in ARR and you know, about two and a half years time. So while building a wonderful nurturing uh, culture, uh, we're a best you know, place to work in Utah, but across the US. So then after that, uh, that acquisition, uh, was planning to take some time off, but had the opportunity to meet Alex at Deal and didn't want to talk to him for a while because I just thought I wanted to take a break. But uh, he kept reaching out and I kept saying it's series D, it's worth 5.5 billion at this point, you're 500 people, it's too big, I want to go early days and build again. And he said, no, no, <laughs> we are building, uh, even though we're wow. series D. So I had the opportunity to join Deal last December. Excellent. That's a, that's a great story to hear, actually. And uh, sounds like you've had quite some experiences. That's really good. And um, one of the things you sort of started to touch on there is you, you're now building um, and leading a global people team at Dill. Um, the company founded in 2019, just before the pandemic. I mean, 
no one could have planned for that, let's be honest. Um, you know, you've already reached a valuation of $5.5 billion and growth from 50 to 550 plus distributed employees globally. That's um, that's immense. Um, and on top of that, secure what, 6,000 plus customers, including like Notion, Voy, Spendesk, Intercom, Shopify, Dropbox, the list goes on. So that's that's staggering. Um, before we dig in, dig a little deeper into the people side of things, can you tell me in your own words a bit more about Dill's mission and vision? Yes, and, and they do look, Shuo and Alex, the co-founders, look like they saw the future, right? Because <laughs> launching launching pre-pandemic, and I think that's what's so compelling is, you know, we have, since the pandemic, so many people trying to figure out what is the future of the work? Um, how do I access the global talent marketplace in a really meaningful way? How do I then, once I access it, think about building a culture around it that's meaningful, um, a way where both contractors, uh, FTEs are treated the same as global team members and we are able to build and best practices and how you think about a global workforce. That's what Deal is building, right, across our platform. Truly, how can businesses hire anyone, anywhere? Um, yes, that's the heart of it. But gosh, there's that deeper level of how you do that in a meaningful way from how people access and use the tools and technology to have transparency around their contract or offer letter, uh, their pay, their invoicing, their benefits, perks that they're eligible for. Um, and then on the back end side, um, from an administrative side, how do we see our global workforce in one place? Um, you know, there's tons of tools on the market for an HR technology stack perspective, but really being able to create a tool where you have access to people that you're employing in a variety of different ways all across the globe. Um, so that's what's so exciting, I think, about the technology. And again, they, they definitely saw the future into where the future of work was heading. <laughs> I said the timing was fortuitous. Really. I mean, we should never say that about the pandemic, but that, that works really well. So I suppose, you know, you can hear the passion in what you're saying there. So was that ultimately what drew you um, to the company at the end of 2021? Yes, absolutely. You know, um, when Alex was reaching out to me as I was considering, you know, moving on after the Divi integration, uh, I had not heard of Deal. Um, it wasn't something that we were necessarily trying to solve being a US-based company. So I just wasn't in that same kind of track. But for I, I could immediately see the first time that I spoke with him and did some research of, you have seen the future of work. I have been having this conversation for the past <laughs> year with my executive team through the pandemic of the workforce is going global. It's not just about being remote across the United States and being able to provide access for people to work in North Carolina versus Texas versus Utah. It's people are moving. Um, it's not having access to people on H-1B visas or people needing to go home and be with family wherever that is. Uh, people wanting a different lifestyle, uh, different cost of living. I mean, just to be nomadic, uh, you know, at this time in their life when they can. And how do we meet people where they are um, and truly be able to hire the best person for the job and the, for the company at that time and access global talent? Um, and that's what I saw very powerfully that they were unlocking in the platform and really pushing the boundaries of how do you think about that, but also trying to be smart and thoughtful and intentional in leveraging this global community through our customers. We have access to, uh, like you said, we have 6,000 customers and growing all of their yeah. HR teams and people leaders, thought leaders who are also pushing the boundaries. How can we leverage that to create 
playbooks and resources and collateral for people that may or may not be skilled in having those conversations with their executive teams or thinking about their global workforces. So yes, it was just, it was so compelling to hear what they were doing and to be part of it, not just in building a world-class internal people team function at deal, but also as a people leader, it's a dream, right? To be able to influence an HR technology platform that then is going out and helping others push forward the future of work. I think it's great that you, you, you're not just developed a product that can help other people, you're operating in the same way yourselves. And I think, you know, had I known about something like deal in previous organizations, that would have fixed so many issues. <laughs> so no, that is, that, that is great. So it's really clear that, um, Deal is very much operating in the the future of work of workspace, um, and for you, what does the future of work look like in reality, and how is it going to evolve from what we're experiencing today? Yes, so I think the number one thing, which is is the core thing that Deal is trying to um, activate for people at the beginning, is just how do I access and actually employ those individuals. Um, So if you think about our platform, right, having an immense contractor workforce, having templates built, all of the collateral and pieces of how you can access where you've got a one-off person sitting in Spain or your top account executive needs to move back to China or someone, you know, people are moving all around and how can you solve for both one-off things that you're experiencing in your workplace, but also just accessing the global talent market in a different place. So no matter where you find a person who's going to be the best fit, great, we've got a solution across being a contractor in our EOR business or in our global payroll solution, uh, actually where you've stood up your own entity and paying directly as an FTE. And so I think that's where the future of work is moving in this first phase is just how to access and appropriately tackle the employment status, the documentation, the compliance of meeting people where they are, right? And handling that in a legally compliant way, which is definitely something that is our bread and butter. We've employed, we've taken a little bit different approach from some of our competitors in market to actually wanting to control that experience for the end user, that contractor, that employee, but, and also on the back end, you know, for the HR administrative function. Um, So that's critically important to us. Then I think that next, next step is, again, kind of the visibility and putting it all in a platform, the transparency. It's about how do you want to treat your workforce, right? What is your culture? Um, What's important to you? And how do we think more about it as a global team member perspective, independent of contractor versus employee status within your workforce? Um, Those are the technical details. And there's some, you know, very hyper localized things you need to understand about those as you deliver benefits and pay. Um, But the global team member workforce, you know, sometimes in the past, it's been seen as a contractor could be, you know, more like a second class citizen, if you will, or not Mm -hmm. given the same access or different things. And I think this opens up the ability for you to think about that global workforce in a different way than we have in the past and think about how do we push the boundaries or the envelope to get to a best practice that's going to meet the future of work needs and truly having a global workforce. And then I think the third part is the connectivity. I know we get asked that in almost every interview. We've got team members, we've got 680 team members as of this week, sitting in over 54 countries around the world. And you'll notice we're investing in it from a a technology perspective. We acquired a company called Roots um, that's a different Slack plugin to try to create 
connections, connection points for you to talk to people outside of your silo or department or team, create profiles um, deeper than what a Slack profile could create. So you know where to reach out to people, what to talk about, creating employee or team member resource groups to bring people together. Um, and then having, of course, I think, you know, the, the budget, uh, specifically as COVID maybe stabilizes out to be able to bring people together, whether that be in region. It's definitely something that we see across our internal workforce, as well as what we're seeing in our customer data, that although the office looks different, even for those keeping an office and not moving fully mm -hmm. remote, people are using the office in a different way, not necessarily desiring to go back five days a week, you know, yeah. nine to five, but leveraging it for connections or to work on very specific projects or times when they need to collaborate or even to get out of their home with their dogs and children <laughs> and uh, better Wi-Fi. And so how can you think about in your, uh, you know, your workplace programs, whether that be an actual office environment or that just be connections through technology or even something like a, a you know, a global WeWork subscription or co-working spaces. Yeah. I think that's a piece too that will have to evolve um, as we get further into the future of work. Absolutely, absolutely. Shifting the focus into your role and the people function at Deal, what will some of your goals and initiatives be as a team in the next year or so? And what are you really doubling down on? Yes, yeah, so it's interesting. And I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning. You know, Deal yeah. is Series D, uh, did go from 50 to 550 people, now already 680 people um, as of this month. Um, but, you know, operating on the, on the internal people side, uh, like where we would need to be in building out from a series A, B perspective. And, you know, the growth sneaks up on you when you're in hyper growth like that. Most of that hiring, that headcount happened in Q3 and Q4 of last year. And so you began to stand up. And then obviously I was hired in December at the very last part of the year. So a lot of it is foundational for us. Things that my biggest learning is, like I said, for founders is invest in it early. If you can do it under a hundred people, <laughs> do it um, because the more easy to establish the foundations if you think about your HR technology stack, your applicant tracking system, your uh, HRIS, getting things built out, deal hopefully in the mix on the stack, um, thinking about your core principles and foundations across your compensation mm -hmm. philosophy, uh, how do you drive a performance culture, those things obviously much easier to establish with uh, less people, but that's what we're building now is how do we establish those foundations across technology, our core principles and philosophies, and then our workflows, and how can we automate as much as we can so that we're not doing the manual work that can be done in technology, but also all doing this while we're also hiring uh, I think we have 550 open requisitions today. We'll double wow. headcount <laughs> again this year, uh, looking at mergers and acquisitions. So the business goes on. Um, even though we're building our foundations, we still have to keep track and not be a roadblock you know, for the hyper growth environment. So it is a delicate balance of prioritizing both. Um, and so an immense part of that is just building our team uh, to yeah. scale alongside the business as well. So it feels like you're building a plane mid-flight. <laughs> I, I told someone that yesterday on in an interview. We are building the plane while flying it. The cockpit is not completely built. <laughs> Excellent. It's exciting, though. It really is exciting. So when you think about those fundamentals that you talked about, what, what do you think is really important for you when it comes to, you know, what, what do you need to plan for when it comes to trying to achieve that? And what's some of the foundations and frameworks that you plan putting in place? 
Yes, you know, a, a big part of it, uh, you know, for a people team, our closest partner in the business is finance. We deal with finance from everything from payroll uh, to obviously our budget and expenses audit for our technology stack and the programs that we're delivering, stock administration, but also from a financial planning and analysis perspective. And a big part of being in hyper growth is your workforce strategy and plan, your headcount plan, right? That enables us specifically when we're looking at a bottoms up plan of 550 open roles and doubling headcount this year. Um, it's critical for us to understand from a talent acquisition standpoint, you know, how can we, how do we best think about how we meet the needs so that we can make sure we're hiring on track, on target to hit the revenue targets that we have for this year, incredibly <clears throat> important, but also how do we do that by really taking control of the candidate experience. Um, to me, treating our candidates and, and the experience and being intentional and thoughtful with it is the exact same as how we should be treating our customer. We care deeply about having five-star reviews, for example, as a trust pilot score for customers. We should care just as deeply about the candidates and what their feedback is as they're going through the process. And that's something that is a, is a very significant initiative for us uh, to get mm -hmm. right this year. Um, because like I said, the majority of hiring that happened at such speed last year was without talent acquisition in place, a myriad of hiring managers, early TAs starting and external agencies. And that's wow. hard to control, right? The experience when you've got all the different hands in the pot. So bringing that back in house is going to be incredible for us because I think about each and every candidate independent if they get the job at this time, that those are future future dealers, uh, you know, should the right role come available later, uh, their potential customers are sitting in a customer to date. Uh, and they're certainly brand ambassadors for the future of work. Sure. They were interested in deal. They're passionate about the mission. So how can we activate that better? So that's definitely something that we're digging in on right now. Also compensation philosophy. I don't think it's ever too early to think about and have conversations across specifically your CFO and CEO around what is our philosophy? What do we believe? Um, at deal, pay parity is incredibly important to us. And that can show up in a couple of different ways as we think about, like I said, operating in 54 <laughs> countries around Oops. the world with team members sitting everywhere. And so, um, you know, a very thorough compensation infrastructure, everything from leveling of our jobs and how we issue and think about salary and equity also being very important mm -hmm. being a pre-IPO company. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, thank you very much for that. And are there any big learnings that you've had, um, whether that was during your time with Divi, Uber, et cetera, that you always hold close to you and what you're bringing to deal in your team? Yeah, um, you know, probably my most significant learning is that, um, well, I guess the, the principle I, I, I hold closest to heart is that the people team must be trusted. Um, it's just of utmost importance to me that we are trusted and respected within the organization, uh, trusted from that we're transparent, that we're authentic, that we're honest, that we're effective communicators, that there's never any question too hard to answer. There's a way to answer anything that gets asked and people, uh, we want to have a culture where people feel open, represented, and are able to bring that forward. And it doesn't even need to be anonymous because they know that it's going to be handled in the most respectful way. Um, that's just critically important to me. And I don't think, obviously I was at Uber, I don't think that that's all, always happened right across the board or it happens in silos across the people department, especially when you get so large. So that's just something I've always 
really take into heart of uh, it's just critical to establish that from the beginning and to sustain and maintain that trust over time. And the way that we build our cultural foundations, our programming, the way that we talk about it, um, those are all things that contribute and how we show up every day. Um, that all contributes to you know, how people view us and, and their trust of us. And then of course, certainly, you know, making sure that programs around pay, equity, um, benefits, are just seamlessly happening, that they are not a disruption point to people. They aren't a black box. Again, the transparency piece coming forward there. Absolutely. Is there any people talent advice that you've seen banded around that you'd love to dispel or warn fellow people leaders to avoid? You know, the biggest learning, I think, again, comes, comes from Uber, but certainly I've seen it in talking with founders, venture capital investors, uh, CEOs and specifically pre-IPO companies is again that piece around you can't invest early enough <laughs> um, in the people function. And that doesn't mean that it's uh, talent acquisition. I think sometimes you'll see companies, and I know this was prevalent specifically in the Bay Area in the U.S. Um, in early days was we have a people function. We've stood up talent acquisition and we're you know focusing on hiring. But the earlier you can have those conversations around what your compensation philosophies are, like I talked about how to drive a performance culture, what's important to us. Um, values exercises, I think, are incredibly important uh, to push down from the executive team and then push down to your total workforce, whether that's a survey or workshops that you yeah. put people through, specifically when you've been growing so much and specifically in the case where you've had early leadership or hiring managers in the absence of talent acquisition, hiring for their teams in silos. It's interesting work to do to see how close or far apart were we in establishing what our culture is, which to me is just, how would someone describe working at XYZ company any day that you ask them, right? Like what's important to them? And I think values should iterate over time. They should not be static. <laughs> um, and I think sometimes Agreed. people forget that or sometimes a founder or like founding team will put values up and then it's like, but how do we test those? And do we really make business decisions against those? Would we make uh, our investor decisions against those? Would we terminate someone because they aren't a fit there? How do we articulate the fit in hiring? Um, those things I think are, are incredibly important. And again, uh, things that should be spoken about earlier as the company is building and developing. But if you've missed that boat, then, um, you know, begin <laughs> having them as soon as possible, like I am at Deal. <laughs> yeah, I've been there before myself. And it's, it's interesting what you say about having the philosophies in place, whether that's comp or talent philosophies and stuff like that. Because I think if, you've, if you can get that in really early, it makes a massive, the ripple effect from that is, is yes. immense. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've been where you are a deal where I've gone into a start, but they probably have one HR manager and everyone else then suddenly builds around that. And it, it can be, it's, it's painful, but exciting all at the same time. So yes. but I, think, I think you're absolutely spot on. That, that falls in quite nicely into, into my next, um, next question, which is, what would you say are the, the pitfalls to be aware of when it comes to building teams or people practices in, in a fast growing scale up environment like yourself? I think you, you're you always tempted, me included, everyone, no matter your intentions and relying on your personal network when you're trying to build in hyper growth mode and you're looking at, gosh, I've got 10 people to fill and I need them yesterday. And it's very easy to go to your network. And I think sometimes 
when that happens, it happens out of necessity, but being able to slow down and stabilize a bit when you think about your hiring practices, one, from the cultural values fit and actually being able to articulate what does that mean, what who mm -hmm. is going to be successful here. Um, for us, you know, we definitely know and speak to people about resilience, adaptability, flexibility, uh, okay with change, uh, being autonomous, uh, being a, a really intense and true owner. Those are things that are very, you know, uh, those will lead to people being successful at deal and every company has those. I think the, the quicker that you can get to understanding both your skills assessment of individuals plus that, that cultural fit and foundational mm -hmm. assessment, uh, the better. Excellent. Next question, it, it sort of links back into this again it's something I'm reasonably reasonably passionate about and this is sort of the culture element so as a fast-growing company and more so in one that is distributed like yourselves it can be tough to scale culture and values particularly I saw that Dill has nine pretty fantastic values actually I think default optimism dig deeper unequivocal transparency to name a few that you know well thought out so how do you go about embedding these values across an organization and then as you scale how do you make sure these scale with you especially with that distributed setting because with mass growth comes risk of fracture doesn't it so how, how do you how do you how do you do that how have you done that yes so one, don't just put them on the wall or write them down and then never talk about them, <laughs> never talk about them again. We've got, to, we've got to keep them visible, right? And that's where, how do we embed them into the foundation? Um, we're actually doing some really interesting work around this right now because I think they actually should iterate a bit. Um, you don't see ownership showing up in ours, right? And that's something we definitely, you know, is coming out that is very important as we think about Think about our own so should iterate but you've got to keep them front of mind so building the first thing that we do is we build a playbook for hiring around them so that we can actually do some assessments we're actually looking at some really interesting tools uh, coming out of australia uk and us some great tools out there uh, from a technology stack uh, that actually help you with ai on the back end and, and helping your managers because you're thinking about first-time managers or managers who aren't as experienced and like how to delve, you know, dig out the, the cultural fit piece or, or do an assessment so that we see better information instead of not a culture fit on, yeah. on talent acquisition feedback. Well, what does that mean? And what questions did you ask? And how consistently did we ask them? So showing up definitely in the interview assessment piece, but then also showing up in performance review, promotion mm -hmm. review, recognition uh, throughout the organization. So how do you embed them into the foundation so that they're, they're showing up, they're talked about, and we're rewarding, recognizing, hiring, again, making business decisions right internally about our people um, based in that value set. Um, and that's the thing I think is, is so important as, as you think about a, a performance review, right? We think about them in the way of, yes, we move really quickly. We need to have ongoing performance um, feedback because we just move too quickly to mm -hmm. wait until a formal cycle to get it done. Yeah. But in that moment, when you're giving feedback, give it about the what and the how, right, as it shows up. So again, constantly talking about them. And also then it's not a surprise if something is, if, if we're giving critical feedback uh, about, you know, something on the more softer side or subjective side, uh, which does mm -hmm. happen, right? And employee relations issues and things of that nature. And then it's not such a surprise in what we're anchoring it in and what we're trying to tie it back to. And we can also give examples of what great looks like. 
sounds like you're really bringing them to life, which is, like you say, it's not just on a wall, which is a definite, um, definite mistake in lots of organisations. So no, that's, that's, that's really good. I'd love to hear what you feel like the ideal people ops function of today should look like, especially at the hyper growth stage. What types of roles are, are a necessity in your eyes? Yeah, so I'm biased because I come from an HR business partner or a people partner and consultant. So I'm naturally going to be biased this way, but I really think about people partners or HR business partners, whichever you prefer to call them, as being the connective tissue between the business and the people function. Um, you know, people functions, it's, it's easy for us to get into our own siloed thinking and have the list of things that we know that we need to develop and crank out from either a compliance standpoint or just what we know from our past learnings and experience. But without that connective piece to what is the business actually trying to achieve, there are a lot of different ways we can do performance management. There's different yeah. ways we can do compensation. There's different ways we can think about performance equity grants. You know, there's always different ways that we can think about uh, different things that we're doing. And yes, we're the subject matter expert. We have the foundations, but that additional touch point to making sure our people strategy is always connected back to what the business is trying to achieve is just critical. And there's really no better way I've found to do that than having your people partners or HR business partners aligned to key leadership across your organization, constantly feeding back information to us and the centers of excellence on, on the core people team so that we're Absolutely. building the right programs, prior, prioritizing, communicating effectively, trying to solve problems before they become a problem. Um, and then also out there in the business to, again, deliver and help coach and counsel and support and lead through difficult conversations, help the manager see around the corner <laughs> and to where they're going and what the watchouts are and always be thinking from that people perspective. So that's that's the number one thing, and I'm actually hiring for those now, um, looking to set up uh, that structure and network across deal. And in a global environment, too, right? Wanting to make sure you reach all the time zones, the leaders where they sit, and, and HRBPs are more focused on the leader. Um, so kind of in tandem with that, making sure on the people operations side that we, I like to promote self-service. Um, I don't like to be a people function that's doing administrative or clerical work and getting people's pay stubs or things that they could be finding, but like, how do we tell them where to find that? And how do we set those expectations around self-service? And how do we make sure that our knowledge management systems are built out, whether that's in something like a Notion intranet or your LMS or your KMS, but how do people get the information that they need when they need it? And then how do they escalate that, right? If it's if it's not exactly what they need yeah. or they need a, a human touch point, don't want to take the human elements out. So I think that's a good balance of people working directly in the business, but then also building that support function for people to reach out to directly more in your individual contributor workforce. And then we have key areas around knowledge, learning, and development. Uh, how are we supporting the organization overall with things that are coming from legal, finance, product, people that the entire organization needs to know, whether it's from onboarding onward, kind of in their career journey, um, or as new products develop or whatever the situation might be, but also who are the enablers within each team that are thinking about the very job-specific onboarding or ongoing training. And in our world, that's certainly our talent acquisition team, making sure that they are up to date with how we pitch and talk about the company externally and what are we doing and updates on our products and updates on our statistics and moving forward the future of work to really get a candidate excited and that brand piece. 
um, to also like, how do we talk about our compensation and how do we close offers? You know, there's a big part of enablement that happens just across the people team itself and making sure that we're scaling um, and again, being able to hit those goals. And then of course, total compensation uh, and rewards, huge thing, obviously for us, pay parity is key. So really building out compensation infrastructure um, and making sure that we are, are transparent and, and do education, stock administration, also key in a pre-IPO well, <laughs> partnership with finance, but Absolutely. that's such a big, you know, I, I didn't mention this in my biggest learnings question, but having been in companies that have IPO'd or had an acquisition or an exit, uh, right, where there's that liquidity event, I think the financial education, uh, and we're FinTech plus HR tech, so we should, we should be investing in this, but really every Absolutely. company I think should think about what's the financial education as you start heading toward a milestone like that and getting and preparing your workforce. So we're, we're trying to think about that early too. And then talent acquisition sits in there. Our people operations, thinking about our HR tech stack um, also sit in there as just kind of the core foundational team that we're building out. So Deal has just launched its um, state of global hiring report, hasn't it? So um, in this, you've gathered data from hundreds of thousands of work contracts and third-party data points in over 150 countries. Um, we'll pop a link to download the full report in the show notes um, for our listeners. I'd love to hear from you. What was your biggest takeaway from this report? And is there anything that surprised you or any data points that you think talent leaders and founders out there need to take note of as they look into look ahead to 2022? Yes, this was such a special report for us and uh, such an exciting time, right? We've been talking about this future of work, this accessing the global talent marketplace, like you mentioned, 100,000 contracts to be able to review. And it's a wonderful data set, you know, to have and thinking about, are we right? Is this, are we validated? Are we really all moving towards the future of work? And the answer I think was resoundingly, yes. Global hiring up 200% so that accessing the global talent marketplace, thinking broader outside of your uh, geographical location as a, as a company and being able to access people definitely happening. Um, interesting things and like where it's happening more significantly, like Latin America, was leading in that increase, if you look at the data, which was fascinating to me. Um, and as you actually talk to people on the ground, both in our customers, as well as in our own workforce, as we're talking to people from Latin America, the access that they feel to be able to work in really interesting, <laughs> compelling, mission-driven companies, it's like a very, very exciting time for Latin America. So feeling really excited for some of these areas that were most heavily impacted by that access. Um, also increasing salaries, which, I think is phenomenal. Uh, leaders uh, that we saw were Mexico, uh, Pakistan, the Philippines uh, were some good examples of where wages are increasing or where you can see that employers are thinking about paying US dollar equivalents um, as yeah. well. So fantastic information coming there from just a salary insights perspective. Um, you know, we've paid out over a billion dollars <laughs> to people uh, globally, to workers on behalf of our customers, which is just a tremendous amount when you think about Absolutely. accessing Absolutely. the global workforce. <laughs> but probably the biggest surprise for me, um, and we could talk about crypto investments separately on a different podcast, but uh, was 2% of our payments were made in crypto. And I think that that's just 
super intriguing and, and that we give that optionality right on the platform uh, for either our customers to pay us in crypto and then we'll issue payments to your people, but also um, as customers are paying us, then we will convert and be able to issue payments um, in the currency of the choice of the contractor, right? And 2% of people chose crypto. You know, I, look, I looked on your platform earlier on and I saw the crypto piece and that's quite innovative, actually. You hear crypto and all of that starting to make its way through. Um, and there's probably still some reticence on that side. But the fact that you recognize that people will take that now as a currency is, right. is immense. So credit to you guys. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Next question, if, if there was one thing that you could wave a magic wand at and fix when it comes to people and talent, what would that be? Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's the technology stack. Um, you know, there, gosh, there's so much out there, right. That, that you can choose from. And I love, I love all of the startups that are coming into the spaces. Of course, you've got people more established in the space and there's different technology that you can think about and you need different technology in different stages as you scale. But I don't know if you've ever felt this. It's it can be overwhelming your technical stack, right? Absolutely, <laughs> the list, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the list of things that you need, and so I, I tend to always uh, look for, even if they don't have it established today. But is it on their product roadmap? How are they thinking about themselves as a platform, specifically on things that I want uh, immediate connection points on that are important for our organizational health? So I think about you know, performance, OKRs or goal setting, uh, engagement, uh, gosh, if those are in the same place and the same tool and, and, you know, creating, I think about, you know, from an HR business partner perspective, creating those insights for you automatically. And yes, you've still got to go back to your HRIS or other systems to look at sure. overall attrition, you know, and things like that. But gosh, if you can have more things that are that are put together and, and those automatic insights and the creation of dashboards that where you can tell a really compelling story as you're going back out to the business and you know trying to help them achieve their goals, but on the talent side, that's super powerful. And I think that we're, I think more and more are, are starting to think that way, but uh, yes, the tech stack, definitely overwhelming. So it, I would love to wave a wand on that. It's, it's, it's a tough gig, isn't it? Because even some of the big one-stop shops don't have everything you want in the way you want it. And I yes. think this is, again, where your platform works quite well, because I've noticed the open API and you've got yes. a good sort of set of connections. I think it's, it's in, I don't know what your view is here now, but more and more people are no longer going for just that one big stop. They're looking for something that can connect to multiple other right. things. I don't, yes. I don't know what your thoughts are on that and if that's yes. something you agree yes. with. Yes, exactly. Because like like we said, right, the tech stack is so immense. You can have all of these different programs. And if they don't talk to one another and you're having to create even one spreadsheet down, you know, to like bulk upload, it breaks, right? So the open yeah. API, the, the connections and integrations are definitely critical. Absolutely, absolutely. A couple of lighthearted questions to bring our chat to a close today. Is there anything that you find that you, that you're super passionate about that you really find a lot of joy out of? And this can, of course, be professional, personal, or both. Yeah. So the the professional one, maybe it sounds boring, but I am just I'm crazy about pay parity. I love compensation. Um, we did so much work on this at such large scale at Uber. My prior, I reported to Leanne Hornsey, who's now at Palo Alto Networks. And mm -hmm. I think I take this passion from her of just 
pay parity can make such an immense difference to so many people and the heartfelt notes and stories that you get from people all over the world, but specifically as I think about females or mothers and the workplace. So it's just a, a thing very close to my heart of, of just creating pay parity and having the transparency around that. Um, from a personal side, it's cars. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my husband actually just turned 50 and we just returned from Sweden where we raced Mercedes around on frozen lakes. And it was just oh, the most wow. fun That's thing great. that I've ever done as an activity ever. So I just love fast cars. And it's just a, a little passion of ours that I share with my husband that we're able to partake in away from our other loves, our, our three children when we can. That, that's definitely a unique and quite original one. I don't think I've heard that one before. That, that is great. That is absolutely great. Um, and is there a thought or value or phrase that you live by? Stay fierce. I've left that to my teams at every, uh, at every company that I've left to move on to the next realm. I've told it to my executive teams, my peers. Um, staying fierce to me means just staying strong, right? Especially when you're in these hyper growth environments where so many things are going on and the priorities are ever changing and it's hard, you know, it, it's hard work and it's fun. It's so rewarding because you're making such an impact. And if you love to build things, then yes, you know, here for it. Um, but staying fierce and determined, like in the face of um, a lot of challenges is, is just yeah. so important and, and they never go away. You know, there's something different at, at every stage. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the thing I've always signed off on as I've moved to the next endeavor. Excellent. Excellent. And finally, are there any folks that have inspired you when it comes to building teams, taking a people first approach, someone, um, you think could be pretty good for us to chat to for this podcast perhaps but yeah anyone that's inspired you from that side would be good to hear about yeah so from you know outside of the people function definitely a gentleman named sterling snow he's the chief revenue officer for divi the company mm -hmm. that i recently left and i've i've never seen anyone so intentional so passionate about building not just a high performing team, which his teams never miss a number on the revenue side. So pretty amazing. They always find a way, but they find a way because of the type of team that he's built and how much ownership they have and how much respect and collaboration they have within their own team for each other, right? So they cannot let each other down. It's, it's just, he has an amazing story to tell. So if you ever follow him, he's quite active on LinkedIn as well. Uh, just a really interesting uh, gentleman to follow. I also think about um, in the education realm, Francis Fry um, from Harvard Business School, just the workshops that I've been a part of uh, with her. She was a consultant to us at Uber uh, on building teams. And she does this analogy of ancient Rome, but it's, she's so fascinating and thinking about just uh, the trust aspect. So like I was talking about for me, trust, respect of just me, my team members and my function are so critical. And she does some really fantastic work around that. And then finally, probably like in the people space, um, yeah, Leanne Hornsey, Palo Alto Networks, reported to her at Uber. She's their chief people officer. They publish so much transparently around compensation, their perks and rewards and benefits, their culture. Um, 
probably no one who's more passionate about parity um, and transparency than her. So those would be my three. Great, excellent. Uh, Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. It sounds like Bill has seen some incredible growth, quite rightly. The founders must have been able to see the future in 2019, as you said earlier. Um, but what I really love is that upon joining, you're looking at this year as, as a time to really build and solidify some of those foundations. I love how much you champion the people team and the importance of investing in talent early on. That really resonates with me. Um, I'll certainly be championing you, championing you and the team from the sidelines, and I'm excited to see what how sort of things play out for Deal and and how you continue to scale. So thank you again, Casey. It's been it's been great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.